0: Amen. Andrew, could I have my notes that you grabbed there? The big sheet of paper. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. I you didn't know if you're trying to tell me, you don't need those, man. Like a good mentor. Um, it's okay, I'm a youth pastor. I can wear t-shirts and sneakers on stage and talk. We're going to be all right. Um, so I we get to talk about intimacy this week, and one of, one of the ways that we... Um, are intimate with God is that we can minister to him. And so I wanna pull up a passage. I think I put it in there, First Chronicles, yeah. Uh, 16 verse four, um, and it's talking about uh, David, and they're trying to move the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. So the, the presence of God, they're trying to move it back into Jerusalem. And it says, he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the Ark of the Lord to extol, thank, and praise the Lord. The God of Israel. So he defines, they're going to minister before the ark of the Lord, and then he defines what that can look like. And this is what it looked like in the Old Testament. So we're going to go word by word. Extol, which is not a word we're normally using, it means to record or remember. If you read the Psalms, you'll notice there's a lot of times where they're, um, the psalmist, whoever's writing, is like, there's a lot of really hard stuff going on. They're feeling in the pit of despair, but I remember that you brought us out of Egypt, I remember. They do that all of the time in the Psalms. They record, they remember all that the Lord has done. The next one is to thank, and it means to thank. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything more profound to say about that. But um, there, thanks is a really big deal to God. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. But there's a, um, there's a passage in Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 21 where it's talking about a people who know God but because they failed to give him glory or to give him thanks uh, their hearts became darkened their thoughts became futile Um, all because they knew who God was but they refused to give him glory to give him thanks so don't let a lack of thanksgiving be the reason that we don't see things clearly so thanks is a big deal to God and then praise and so uh, there's actually seven Hebrew words for praise, um, and we just combined it all into one, but the the word they mean here is halal or hallel, and it's the same as when we say hallelujah, it means praise be to God, but that word halal or halal means actually to rave, to shine, to boast. Um, we say it very stern, very serious a lot of times, but it like, to shine, to rave and boast. It's a big deal. We're making a big deal out of who God is. And so that is one, or like, that's a, a quick picture of what it means to minister to God. But I think it's a, a interesting concept as a whole because when you think of ministering to somebody, you think of meeting somebody's needs. Um, and God has no needs. He has zero needs. Uh, he's not a diva. He's not temperamental. He doesn't need... Our affirmation for him to like feel okay about himself. He is, has completely everything that he needs, even just within himself. And so um, I, we just ask, like, well, what's, what's the purpose of ministering to God? And the first one is to be intimate. Um, Psalm 100, verse 4 says to enter his gates with thanksgiving, to enter his courts with praise. There's something about giving thanks and praise, ministering to God, that has to do with our proximity. To the Lord. As they would enter into the temple, they would get closer and closer to the Ark of the Covenant like we talked about, the presence of God. The way in, the way into intimacy is to start on our end with thanks and praise. And so that's how we draw in. And then the second one, I think, is what blows my mind the most. It's that it blesses him. Our praise, what you have to offer, it blesses him. Um, bless means to make happy. You, 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 the Lord is not so distant from you that he is just doesn't care what happens he doesn't care about what you have to say he's blessed, he's moved by you Um, Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord my soul, all my inmost being bless his holy name Um, and it's not just that it entertains him, it's that there is some deep connection that he feels to the ones that he loves and that's you when we turn our gaze toward him there's a a verse out of Song of Solomon, uh, chapter four, verse eight, where it is this um, allegory between the bridegroom and the bride. And the bridegroom represents Jesus, and the bride represents Israel at the time, but now represents us, that we are the bride. And the groom, Jesus, is saying to us, with one look, you have captured my heart. With one glance from your eyes, my heart is ravished. Captured, stolen. There's something about you that Jesus is so in love with that just one look and his heart is undone for you. And I think if that's not reason enough, um, another reason to minister to the Lord, another reason why, is that it changes us. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about how we who now know Jesus, the veil is lifted. We behold him. And as we behold him, we are transformed into the same image of glory from everlasting to everlasting, from one degree of glory to another for the rest of our lives. When we are ministering to him, when we're looking at him and we're giving him our attention, it changes us. And I think something it does is it it realigns our priorities. Like if we see him and how good and how big he is, all of our circumstances take their rightful place. Does that make sense? He gives us perspective when we can see Him. We put Him back on the throne of our hearts, and He can rule over everything else that's in there. Um, and it's in this place, we can hear Him and, and see everything clearly. So um, that's very practical um, information on ministering to God, and I would rather do it, so I'll try to stay short. But um, this, I didn't know this was a thing when I was... Going into college, I'd grown up a Christian. I didn't know this was a thing. I thought that my personal relationship with God was pretty much limited to, I'm going to say a few prayers, before, like when I wake up, when I go to bed, when I eat, and I'm going to study scripture. And I'm so glad that was my foundation because I need it, and I still need it. We still need to bring the word into our lives daily. And But I was like, there has got to be more. I, I've got myself in a uh, in college and I was surrounded by people who it wasn't just a Sunday morning thing for them. And they were having conversations with God. They were talking about hearing from him. And I was like, there has got to be more about knowing him. And so um, I was always on worship teams. I've been drumming on worship teams since like sixth grade or something. And um, I wanted to worship. I wanted to worship in my, in my time with the Lord but playing drums by myself is just loud and obnoxious and not very intimate. So I had a friend teach me three chords, um, and I just played my three chords. I didn't know how to sing, but I just played every, I sang every song I knew how to sing. And I would run out of those songs, and I just started singing out my prayers to him because I was just desperate for the Lord. Like, if you're real, I've got to know you. I know it's more than just once a week we come and we pay our dues and then we go live our lives a different way and I, <laughs> I just started there. And when I say I couldn't sing, I, I really mean I couldn't sing and it doesn't have to be music for you but this, this is just how it worked out for me and it has become my life calling to minister to the Lord. And I believe it's the calling of the whole church that you are now priests, you are a holy nation. Before, in the Old Testament, it was just for one tribe of the 12 to minister to the Lord, and the Lord was their inheritance. Now we all have been brought in to be priests, to be ministers to the Lord, because he loves us, and for no other reason. And and there are many things that happen, and I could talk about this for a long time. Um, But I just want to say there's nothing that changed me I've been to really cool conferences. I've, I've been in great churches my whole life growing up. There's nothing that has changed me like the one-on-one time when I would close my dorm room and I would turn off the lights and just pull out my guitar and sing horribly to the Lord. There's just something about that season in my life that changed me and marked me in an incredible way. It gave me a purpose. I would not be here had I not discovered that I could know him like that. And so. Um, That's gonna be my invitation for you guys today more than me just continuing to talk about it. I'm gonna invite Andrew back up. Um, And I just wanna bless you. So would you hold out your hands in front of you and close your eyes. Lord, I just bless, celebrate church to know their position in you, to know that they can minister to you, that it pleases you, that there's not a single person Here, there's not a single person listening online that you are not moved by, that your heart is not captivated by when we look at you. So I pray that we would know our position with you and that we would adore you and love you and bring you praise and thanks, that we would get into our our prayer clauses, we would journal, we would just remember throughout the day, set an alarm on our phone to give thanks, to say we love you to bless you, you're all we're after. Yeah. Amen. And
1: thank you, Matt. Thank you. I, I learned so much from Matt. I've learned so much from Matt all the time. And I think I've heard Judd say it before, and it's so true for me, that there's a lot of times where you're preparing for a service with Matt, and he'll say some things, and it's like, that is so good. That's what I'm gonna say, and then I'm gonna get credit for it, but it was you. <laughs> that happens a lot with Camille, too. So anyway... Um, what I want to do is I want to build on that a little bit. I'm not sure if if uh, which order would have been been best, but I'm, what I say is going to be related to what Matt's talking about. But I want to start with this question. What people will ask me a lot, since I'm a pastor, is how are things at the church? How's the church? How's it going at the church? How was church today? Now, when I go to answer that question, what will I base my answer on? And I specifically want to think about it from the angle of how was church today? Because when you ask how was church today, you're really talking about the, the worship service most of the time. How was church today? And how do I, how do I, how do I, what do I base my answer on? And I think, you know, a lot of times what I base my answer on is... How many people were present? And what did the people who were present think? What do they think about how it went? Did they like it? They like the message, they like the songs, they like music, they're gonna come back. What if the number one measure of success is, was Jesus present? Was Jesus present? in our gathering. And what did Jesus think of it? Now that can be very confusing because God is always present, right? God is everywhere. So pretty sure he's going to be at church. If he's everywhere, I don't think church is the one place he's not going to show up at. So I want to explain this a little bit, and I've had these kind of thoughts for a long time, but I heard a talk by Matt Miller, who's the pastor of Upper Room in Dallas, that, that helped me articulate some of the things I'm going to share, so I just want to give, give credit to that. Here's the reality of the Bible. God is present everywhere. It's in the Bible. He is present everywhere. But a message throughout the Bible, in Genesis and in Revelation and in all kinds of places, in between is that God wants to be present somewhere. And there is a difference between how God is present everywhere and how God is present somewhere, in a place, in a time, with people. He wants to be present in a place, in time, with people. It's just God is present always, but he is present some, sometimes in it different ways. He's not always present the same way. God wants to be present somewhere, in a place, in a time, with people. Why do I say that? It starts in Genesis. This is something I could unpack for a long time and I hope someday I will. But Genesis, God creates everything in six days, ends with human beings, and then on the seventh day, he rested. And I think he rested, and I have not understood this before, but I think he rested means he came to a place, Eden. There's a place, there's a time, there's a people to be with. He wants to be present there. And so, in Genesis chapter 3, it says God came at the cool of the Came to the garden, to a place in the cool of the day at a certain time, and said, Where are you to be with people? Because Adam and Eve were hiding from him. They were hiding from his presence. How do you hide from a God who's everywhere? Well, we're not talking about the presence that's everywhere. We're talking about the presence that wants to be somewhere, that wants to be in a place, in a time with people. Now, it just keeps going. Remember, just a few weeks ago, if you were here, I talked about how God's presence came to the mountain. God said, I am coming, my presence is going to come to the mountain. And when his presence came to the mountain, they knew it. It showed up. And now people could come here, and the people said, no, we don't want, we'll stay at a distance, Moses, you go be near the presence, the presence that is somewhere in a place, in a time, to be with people. But only Moses went near and now in that book Exodus there's five chapters that explain this building they're going to build this tent they're going to build this tabernacle that's going to build that has all kinds of allusions to the garden of eden by the way and so does the temple that will be built later because it's a pla- it's it's right here's the place where god really comes it's the somewhere where he would come to be with people five chapters super boring chapters you would think like if you're going to try to sell this book moses If you're writing this book, like, eliminate those chapters. Instead, he doubles down and writes five more chapters with the exact same things to say when they built it. Because it's super important. Because God wants to be somewhere. Not just everywhere. He wants to be somewhere with people. Make his presence known. Dwell with them. Let them see his goodness and his glory. And he wanted to do that in the tabernacle. We'll skip ahead and in Ezekiel, super long book. And the, Why do we have Ezekiel? It is so long and obscure, and it's all these dimensions of a temple that's coming, yet to come. And at the very end of the book, the last four words is that where this temple is, there will be a city, and the city will be called The Lord Is There. Because he doesn't want to just be everywhere. He wants to be somewhere. His presence to be known. Get to the book of Revelation The end of the Bible, chapter 21, it's talking about that same thing, that in the next age, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and a city is going to come down, a place, and it's going to come to earth, and God will be there. The city, he is going to be there. That's the ultimate place where it's all going. That those who are with him who want to live and reign with him forever, they're going to be part of the city that comes to earth, the city that's heavenly, that comes to earth. It's a place, and they're going to be there, and God is going to dwell there, and he's going to be with them. It's the somewhere where he wants to be. That's where the whole thing is headed. And when, when Jesus came, this is how John 1 describes it. He's talking about the word, God the Logos, God, and he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled, Same that same tent they were designed in Exodus, he tabernacled among us. So while Jesus walked the earth, God was still everywhere. God Almighty was still everywhere. He was everywhere and, and over everything, but when Jesus came, God was somewhere. He was in a man, he was a man. And he was where that man went. And where that man went, people took notice. People saw things they never heard before. People were amazed at the things they heard because it was God. It was his presence in a place and a time in a man, Jesus Christ. And then, mysteries of mysteries, God says, Jesus says, I'm going to go up, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to send my spirit to you. And God is going to be somewhere through a people, through many peoples. His desire is to be somewhere, to be with you, to be with us. So that is the difference between God's always present, of course he's present, to, was he here today? Was he here today? Did we welcome him here today? Or was I more worried about whether you're here today? What if if he came, less of you would come? Now, going to the story of David that Matt was talking about. This is in, in 1 Samuel 7. Here's what's happened. The Ark of the Covenant, as Matt was saying, is the sign of God's presence. And for a while, they lost the ark. A group took over. judgment on their people. They got it back, but they just stuck it in Abinadab's house during the reign of Saul, and Saul didn't inquire of it. But so it was there. It was there, but Saul didn't interact with it. Now, David has taken over. David has become king, and he says, I don't want, I don't want the presence just to be there. I don't want to just know the presence is there in my dominion, in my possession. I want it here, where I live. I want to interact with it. I want want the presence to be right here. So he gets all the leaders of the nation, he gets them together, and he says, We are going to bring it. He goes to Abinadab's house, and and they start singing and shouting, and they're getting ready to bring this this thing. And they put the Ark of the Covenant on a brand new cart, and they start going. And the two sons, Abinadab's two sons, are walking with the cart, and as the cart's getting close, and they're celebrating, because God's presence is coming from there to here, and they're celebrating, the cart stumbles or the ox stumbles, the cart tips, and Uzzah, one of the sons, c- goes to steady it. And it says, the Lord's anger burned against him, and he killed Uzzah right there. One of the most disturbing passages, confusing passages in all the Bible. The ox stumbles, the, the Ark of the Covenant falls, and he just goes to steady it. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, and he dropped dead. David's response to Lord's anger is, David got angry. Like, what is that about? I'm trying to get your presence here. Just drop dead. Then he became afraid. So they didn't bring it in any further. They put it in Bebed, oh, yeah, some I don't remember the name exactly, but they put it in this other guy's house. Three months later, David hears the report. This guy's household, where the ark is, is getting blessed and blessed, and blessed, and blessed. And he says, I, want, I don't want it just to be there. I want the presence to be here. So this time, he looks to the Bible to see the instructions for carrying the presence. And they put the poles in, and the Levites take it, and they carry the presence. Because the presence isn't meant by some new vehicle to get to us quickest most efficient way to get to us the presence is meant to be carried by people people are supposed to carry the presence of God the Levites carry every six steps there's a sacrifice David makes going all the way to Jerusalem instead of this well we'll just get a quick quick hit quick hit of God it was slow. We are carrying the presence. We are sacrificing And as he came, there is worship. The stringed instruments, the percussion instruments, the wind instruments, they're all going. All the instruments are going. They are shouting. They are singing praise. The, the closer he gets, the more happy. David is dancing. He has changed out of king's garments. He's just in like a priestly servant's garments. And he is dancing, it says, with all his might. In fact, when he got home, his wife was like, "You have wow, you've really distinguished yourself today. She was so embarrassed to him. That's really a kingly way to act. And he says, I will humiliate. I am doing this for the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I'll be humiliated in my own sight for God. All I care about is God and his glory. And I want the presence not just to be there. I want it to be here. And David made a vow that he would build a place. He pitched a tent, but he wanted to build a better place. David was full of extravagance. There's an ex- extravagance that brings the presence from there to here. And it was costly for David. I, there are many reasons that David is a man after his own heart, but what I didn't realize is perhaps the primary reason is that he got that God wanted to be somewhere, not just everywhere, not just over there somewhere, here, and so he did all, he gave his life's mission to, we are gonna prepare to build a place for him, and there was all kinds of singing. Matt alluded to part of it. There was instructions. They had professional people to make music to God all the time, never stop. All the time, they're gonna make music to God because there is something about singing and music that brings the presence from there to here. It's not the only thing. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, for those of you who are despairing because you aren't into the music thing, we're going to talk about ways to draw near to God that aren't sitting in a prayer room, that aren't singing songs. But let's be clear. God says multiple times over and over, sing to me. Sing to me. Because singing, somehow, it gets the presence from there to here and it keeps the presence here. Singing, make music. All of that is going on. Now, one last story, and it's this. It's Luke chapter 7. There is a, a certain, I think it's a Pharisee, religious person, who has Jesus over to his house. And what's clear from this story is, I mean, he's taking a risk by having Jesus over to his house, because a lot of the Pharisees think Jesus is like totally not God. He's doing too many weird things. He's not right... But he must think, "Ah, he might, because he's going to have him over. But he also wants to, like, just check it out, like, do I want Jesus or not? Does Jesus got good stuff for me or not? Do I agree with him or not? So while they're having dinner, a woman, a sinful woman, everybody knows she's a sinful woman, bad reputation, the kind of person that doesn't get to go to Pharisees' houses. And she shows up. She's crying. She starts washing his feet with her tears and her hair. And then she breaks a jar of perfume and pours it over Jesus. And the guy's thinking to himself, well, I think I got my answer. Jesus isn't from God. If he was from God, he'd know what kind of woman she is. Clearly he doesn't. And Jesus, knowing what he's thinking, tells a story about someone who's forgiven a lot versus someone who's forgiven a little, and which one would love more? If you had a huge debt removed or just a little, a little debt paid off? so well, I suppose the one that's paid more. He so, says, you see this woman? When I showed up, you didn't offer me water for my feet, but this woman has cried tears to clean my feet. When I showed up, you didn't offer me a towel to dry off, but she's been cleaning them with her hair. You didn't offer me any oil for my face. She has poured perfume over me. And I think to myself, when we come here, what are we more like? Are we like? Hmm, I wonder if I'll, I wonder if it'll be good. I wonder if it'll go too long. I wonder if the sermon will be I Wonder if it'll be funny. I wonder if you won't be funny. I wonder if I'll get anything out of this? I wonder if it's worth even tuning in online for? Like like, the Pharisee, like, what do I think? What do I think about this? Or do we come saying, here's what I have to offer you, Jesus. I want you to be here. I'm here to offer you something, not to see if it's worth me getting something out of it, worth my time. I'm here to offer you something. Are you here to offer him something? just to see what you can get out of it. That just really hit me. That I got this mindset that isn't about like, what do you want? I want to give you what you want. I'm so glad you're here. There's a point in this story. After the Ark of Covenant has come in, but before David started making preparations for the table, temple, but he's, he's got the tent, he's got the stuff happening, the singing and the worshiping, and God comes to him and promises a blessing on him forever, on his line forever, which Jesus is a descendant of David. Like, he's still on the throne. And David's response is like, I can't believe you chose me. I can't believe you chose me. I can't and now not, you didn't just choose me, but now you're talking about the future? Like, you have, you have taken care of me, you have done so much for me, and you promise to take care of the future? Can I tell you, It's not just David. Whatever we've done, whatever we he has promised to take care of it all. He's promised to take care of it all. To take care of everything in our past. And to make sure that the best is the future into eternity. So we love because he first loved us. And out of that place is where we respond to say, like, you, the king of kings wants to be with us. We want want to do something for you. We want to do something for you. So I have the worship team come up. A few, a couple weeks ago, I think I shared that passage out of John 15 where Jesus says, as God the Father has loved me, loved Jesus, the perfect one, the radiant one, the The one that everybody loves. He's so good. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Jesus loves us with the same energy, enthusiasm, and intensity as God loves Jesus. And one of the things I've realized in getting ready for this week is, like, I think he is giving us the capacity that we, with the same way that God loves Jesus, Is the way that ultimately we'll be able to love him. I got a long ways to go in that, but I want to get going closer to it. To to love him with all my heart, all my might, all my strength, just like he loves me. He
0: loves me that way. He loves you that way. Let's pray.